The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Practice rounds ongoing here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Uh, we played paper, rock, scissors. Connor, unfortunately, went with the rock. Uh, I think <laughs> Elijah said, I'm going paper. I did scissors. So I guess I should be back in studio is is how the math works. But, hey, we're out here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. Awesome uh, event every year uh, here at the the, the club here at Indian Creek. It is just a phenomenal, phenomenal course. Maybe some of you have played it. Maybe some of you have screamed off the 17th green when that what looked like an incredible shot that was fading Found the, found the water. We're in front of the water. There are boat rides that are going to be happening uh, later on. So uh, we invite you out. Uh, you can log on Pinnacle Bank Championship. Find out info that way and come be a part of this incredible event. Some of the who's who of the PGA. Uh, the last just short few years ago, Will Zalatoris comes to mind. Scheffler, I mean, those are some greats right now on tour. And uh, they... Uh, did well here in Omaha, so you are invited out for the Pinnacle Bank Championship. We're going to squeeze in uh, some golf uh, the rest of this week for sure. We love golf and uh, lots of Nebraska football since camp is continuing. Numbers to get in today at 489-1240, 489-1240, or can email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Uh, also ways to get in touch, the stream yard. We're streaming the show live Love doing this on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at H Varsity Radio. Give that a follow as well. So plenty of updates happening from uh, the practice sessions for Nebraska. Of course, the Hard Knocks version of Nebraska football, A Look In, Episode 1. We'll dive into that. Have you ever uh, just lost it on a golf course? <laughs> Like two days ago. Okay. Well, not, not that bad. Like you didn't, you mean you, you found your way into the sand and, and proceeded to beat the sand versus going George Washington on a cherry tree. Well, no, it's, it's, a, it's a funny story because I went golfing with uh, Mitch who listens to our show regularly, so I hope he hears this story. We show up to the, uh, the golf course on Saturday morning. He lost it, apparently, his last golf outing worse than I ever did because we show up and he doesn't have a four iron with him. What happened to the four? It's swimming with the, sleeping with the fishes. No, the, uh, the in- entire head of the iron was broken off because <laughs> he, uh, he tried to hit one from the fairway with the four iron and uh, it did not go well for him. And he hit it into, I believe he said a tree. And the, uh, the head of the four iron went flying oh, no. off and he had to play the rest of the day without a four iron. So uh, I've never lost it that bad. If I was playing this course here today, I'm looking, the 18th tee box I think is over that hill. And considering this water hazard here is 50 yards directly to the right of that tee box, I think the water would be in play for me, and that's where I'd lose it. If I hit it into the water on 17 from 18, which with how my golf game goes, you never know. Connor, uh, any uh, any confessional moments for you on a golf course before we dive into Coach Rule? Never broken a club, that's for sure. But, I mean, the club has seen the fair share of 
probably getting tossed into the into the green or or, or some points. So my golf game is uh, taking a pretty big hit, though. I don't go as regularly, so I need to start doing that more, and that's probably why. And uh, unfortunately, the golf clubs are sometimes the victim of that. But I feel like you could say that for a lot of people. So, and, and whenever I'm angry on a golf course, I don't end up being outwardly angry. I end up doing my my best Donnie Raiola impression. I kind of sit there with an angry Stare. look on my face. <laughs> whenever people talk to me, I you know give one or two word answers back. That's uh, that's what it is for me. And it's I, short and sweet. I thought about that doing a, a Donnie Raiola impression for this entire show. You wouldn't hear me the entire show, but I decided <laughs> that wouldn't make for good radio. That's all right. Uh, this course is a special place in my heart. Last time I got to play golf with my dad was here. We were we were here at the pro-am and uh, uh hold on a minute that that's an absolute lie it was not a pro-am it was i think a media <laughs> tour better dial that back like who picked you how did you get here it was an am-am it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, now i got to play play golf with my dad here and in, in true uh, steve schmidt fashion you're making the group lag behind because you're on shot three, four, five, and twelve in the sand, and you get that look from your father, and he just kind of you know, that that stare, like, "Come on, man, hurry up! I'm embarrassed of you. I thought I raised you better. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed for you. Get it going." And then he he'd have this kind of grimace, and he'd shake his head slowly. Uh, Scott chimes in. I witnessed a buddy throw his putter across Highway 30. It banged off a box car. It was epic. It was epic. <laughs> uh, I uh, I did go helicopter with a wedge at one point at Hidden Valley, and there's there was a there was a hole at Hidden Valley that is no longer a hole, and there's a little shed in back. It's not quite an electrical shed. Mm-hmm. I know, you know exactly what I'm you're talking about. about. So the guy I was with was ex-military, so we actually climbed on the roof and got it down for me. <laughs> oh, this was 15 years ago, and I have not been asked back to the well, valley uh and once in upon a great time we i'm gonna blame my father-in-law on this he did not put the golf cart in park on the top of a hill and it went down into a ravine they had to call a tow truck to get it out so yeah uh there we are let's get into some football uh, we will take your golf crazy moments uh nothing but professionalism and excellence here quite honestly is Guys are practicing up for Thursday, Friday opening rounds here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. Question for the room, how hard should one go at practice? And the obvious answer is, well, you got to go hard. But what's that fine line, guys, of uh, too physical, too much contact, and worrying about injury? The reason I ask that is I felt like you had there there was a lot of concern in the previous regime about getting guys dinged you didn't you didn't want to go uber ultra physical not that they didn't hit at all then i look at matt rule and this isn't the junction boys of bear bryant in the early 50s where it's salt water you're drinking and there's no water breaks into practice you had to clear the boulders out of the practice field uh, you could have uh, chalked up bear bryant's first class at a&m uh, to, to some mental and physical hazing and probably quite a few heat strokes, to be honest with you. I don't disagree with how and what Matt Rule's doing. I've not seen a practice, uh, full disclosure, I have not snuck in and posed as a pillar. But I do think that that he gets how physical this league is. And you've got guys that have gotten dinged, maybe through non-contact or just some freak things. But there was a laundry list, guys, of... Fellas that were dinged up today 
or at some point that, that weren't at practice today, and that's concerning, especially at the wide receiver spot, just because of how thin and young it is. And it, I mean, you've got Betts didn't go. Uh, you have uh, Coleman that, that I don't think was out there. We'll hear from Coach Rule in a minute, but you have a ball game. You have a ball game three weeks from tomorrow. Well, and the thing is, is injuries are a part of football. You'd like to know how they occur at practice. There's a difference between, as you've said, I mean, there was Terrell Pryor for Ohio State a couple of years ago. He's unable to go because he uh, has a non-contact knee injury during fall camp. That That's going to happen in football. Yeah. There's a difference between that and, you know what, your tight end coming across the middle of the field and your safety going for the knees because, oh, it's a 250-pound tight end and we can bring him to the ground. A big difference between those two whenever there's reckless disregard for the safety of your teammates and then there's going hard, and you know what? We're preparing for a game. That happens Not being in, smart. It happens in, right. in fall camp in the NFL, too, with training camp. You're going to have guys that get injured. The, the question is, is how does it happen? Does it happen because, you know what, there's a headshot on a player because you're angry and you got beat deep and now you want to take it out on them in the next play, so you go try to hit them Lead high with your head. Yeah. There's a difference between that and, you know what, being a, a full go. And it's more dangerous from my time playing football and from some coaches that we have talked to that Give you know, me a help back a lot in more my football. Day. Well, it's just it's a lot more dangerous from a football sense to have somebody not going 100% while the rest of the team goes 100% than it is to have everybody going 100%. If you go 100%, that's just football injuries are going to happen. Where the concern is whenever a defensive lineman's at an 80% go and he gets a cut block to the knee and he's not ready for it because he thinks the offensive lineman's going to be going 80% too. That's where the danger comes in in football. So having that message, and we kind of heard that from Matt Rule during that uh, inside look, or a look in, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, series last night, was that, you know what, we're going to be out here, we're going to be going 100%, and the, the people that are hurting the team are the people that aren't going 100%. Is that because of preparation? Yes, but you also think about the injury factor that happens. If you're on a football field not going 100%, you're a danger to yourself. It's a, Connor, it's an intensity, intensity match, to your point, that needs to happen. You have to have guys that are on the same page with, are you full speed, are you half speed, and you got to all be there so you don't, blow somebody else up unannounced uh and and you got to get gritty tough to survive the big 10 so you got to have a high element of physicality to to live life in the big 10 look i understand that you need to be smart in practice and especially what you were saying elijah about like hey let's not have people giving each other headshots or getting a helmet to the knee to the best of our ability right but the opposite side of that is if you're a team that's practicing in fear of injury, I think it's really hard for you to get better at the game of football. Injuries are a part of the game. So you cannot go into practice each day, go into camp each day with a fear of injury because that's going to limit you in your performance. And if it happens, you know what? It happens. And that's just kind of the way it goes, right, in this physical sport that we all love. But at the same time, you can't practice with a fear of of getting injured. That's like a basketball player going out on the court and playing in fear of missing a shot. Everybody's going to miss a shot. You're going to miss a throw on the football field. You can't be uh, you can't be out there playing in fear of injury. And Elijah, please tell me this comment is true. You want to lay it out, Schmidt? You're the one who put it up on the screen. It, it's it's a no comment, uh, and uh, we're just going to not hang. Elijah. <laughs> Elijah did not do that here. There'd be a. Uh... I've gone golfing with you. I, I know the rules. I'm not going to drive my car. For those listening <laughs> at home, the, the comment comes in from crew. Elijah drives his cart onto the green. I deny this fully. 
I've never had my cart on a green. Do I sometimes, whenever it says, hey, keep the cart on the cart path because they're growing grass in the fairway and, hey, my ball's right there, will I maybe take a little <laughs> detour? Maybe. But so a cart it. on the green? Come on now. No. That, that, yeah. Elijah was doing donuts on the green <laughs> and, and then tipped the cart. Yeah. Let's, let's hear from Coach Rule, and, and here is the injury update on Nebraska today. Also, uh, just injury update. I, I, you know, I know you guys saw guys that were in. Or, I know you probably saw some guys that were in and not out. I, I won't get into specifics of injuries right now, but I'll, I'll give you any you know year-long thing. So obviously Brody's out for the year. Uh, Maverick Noonan hurt his knee on Saturday, out for the year. Um, not a not an ACL or anything like that. Just um, just kind of a freak thing. So um, he'll have surgery this week. Be about six months. We'll be we'll be fine. We'll be as good as new. But. Um, Obviously, our hearts go out to both Brody and Maverick, so everyone else is trending on being ready, you know, if they're out right now. You got new Marcus back. Yeah, Marcus came back and then got banged up again. Uh, had a really scary moment. Uh, it was his birthday yesterday. Had a really scary moment. Landed weird. Um, but it should be just a couple days, they said, so we expect him to be back by the weekend. So Marcus Washington's an elder statesman in that wide receiver room. Jacked his hand, and then, as you heard Coach Rule say, landed awkwardly. That is just heartbreaking for Mav Noonan. Young player, uber-talented kid, a guy that we think was going to see some time early. And uh, that, that absolutely sucks for him. But whenever I hear Matt Rule six months coming back, I'm no knee expert, but from people I know that have suffered this injury, that reminds me of a meniscus. Sure. You can have a meniscus. Yeah, have that, a trim. That, that timetable yeah. sounds about right, which is much less serious than anything like an ACL or an MCL. Yeah, that, that's big. Uh, so let's get a little bit more into wide receiver depth, that wide receiver room. Uh, it is going to be important to have weapons available, but who's wounded and who's not more from the coach yeah you know um i think it's a really good opportunity for our guys i mean receivers all along have been hey who who are gonna be the guys right you know there's not a lot of returning production um you know when marcus was healthy obviously you know when when he found out he was going to be healthy it was really a big thing for us i think there's a lot of opportunities for some other guys to step up and play right so um everybody says they want to play as a freshman but it's really hard to do and especially in today's day and age where you're so distracted like you have to know how to learn. So, you know, we're giving some young guys, you know, Jalen Lloyd, uh, Jaden Doss are getting some opportunities to go out there and, and play. And, um, you know, it'll, we'll see where they're at. Like, they're trending in the right direction. Um, but Billy's, you know, a guy who's, you know, unbelievably productive. Uh, Alex Bullock's having a really, really good camp. Alex, you know, you guys know how I feel about Alex. Um, and a lot of other guys. So a lot of guys are taking advantage of their moments. So, uh, but that's probably of all the positions. That's where the most questions are right now for us on offense kind of know who are you know who the guys were played but um that's 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 remains to be seen so Betts and coleman not working today nothing to, to panic about with either which is good but i think there's some some hope that you're going to be able to get a guy like malachi coleman on the field not overwhelm him but he is a super talent xavier Betts is somebody that has busted his butt to get back and is a big-time potential difference maker in that receiver room. But it still sounds like Kemp's kind of the guy that is the security blanket right now. And, of course, you have tight ends you can find that have been continuing to work. Uh, some footage from that a look in 
Good work by Fedoni and just mm-hmm. the, 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 the many clips we've had a chance to see. And just reading from the outside there, does it sound like Matt Rule's overly concerned about these things? Maybe he's putting up a good front for the media, but he's shown it time and time again in his multiple stops in college football. He's not going to be afraid to play freshman. If they're doing what it takes in practice, there's a, a talent differential. He's not going to be afraid to play those guys, especially if there's injuries that come into play. I'm sure he's excited by the prospect of getting these young guys on the field early. Now, are they going to be able to step up? That remains to be seen, but it falls down on guys like Garrett McGuire and Matt Rule to make sure they're ready for that moment. 489-1240. Uh, we'll take some calls, get more of your craziest golf moment commentary via Twitter, email. Uh, some of you have chimed in there. And also the stream available, Hale Varsity YouTube channel can comment that way. Mitch Sherman's next with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow here at the Pinnacle Bank Golf Championships. Of course, action gets underway Thursday and Friday. Practice round today. Pro-Am tomorrow. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, we have gotten into maybe some embellished golf stories, epic fails on the course. Do you have a moment you may not be proud of that anger got the best of you on the green on the tee box maybe in the sand how are you doing hmm uh probably in my younger days lost a club in in the water um not (laughs) accidentally i feel like that's pretty common so not uh necessarily like uh the best story that you're going to hear today um i i did hear you for a minute um, on my radio dial here before before you called, and it, and in preparation for this answer, I thought maybe you were going to ask me my craziest golf story. I was going to say anytime I've birdied a hole, it's been a crazy golf story for me uh, because that <laughs> is not necessarily what what uh, tends to happen. The other thing I thought of, um, and again, this is not in any way me getting angry or upset, but once I had the opportunity to follow around a group of golfers at that event where you are stationed right now mm-hmm. in Omaha. And I was just utterly shocked. And, and, and you know, this is not the PGA tour, but I was, I was, I was just amazed at, at standing alongside the tee box when those guys hit the ball. It, mm-hmm. it, it, um, it was humbling. I'll say that. It is. <laughs> You think of your game, you look at theirs, and uh, ab- absolutely. Well, and did you see the, the guys at the qualifier up at Highlands Golf Course yesterday? Where like the the winning score was, I think twelve under or something like that. And I went, man, to, to go golf Highlands and get twelve under would be the highlight of my life. If I get to even par at Highlands, I'm gonna have the highlight of my life. I'm with Mitch. If I get a if I get a bird or a par, I'm I'm dancing. It's all good. We all have right. a putt putt golf story to share from Todd. He emails in. Apparently, Todd busted his putting head. It broke off. Back in the day, I broke off, <laughs> broke the head off, and it flew out into the parking lot. It broke a turning light on an old-school Ford Bronco out of state. I gave the guy 20 bucks. I was intoxicated. <laughs> I didn't know one could get lit on a putt-putt course. <laughs> Mitch, All do right. you know any good putt-putt spots? <laughs> Yeah, you you can get lit anywhere. I I uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I learned to golf at Westwood Heights in Omaha along 132nd, that area, uh-huh. and West Center Road. And on the third hole is an uphill, straight, par three, like every hole on that course. And I'm a lefty and would tend, especially when there was danger on the left, to slice it pretty bad. And I don't know how many, if any, windshields I hit coming coming west on center on that hole with my tee shots. But every time I teed off there, it was a major danger zone for anybody who was driving along, along West Center Road. I never had anybody come into the course and chase me down as I was on the green. But. <laughs> That's a positive. Speaking with the uphill, let's go to football. How uphill is Nebraska's wide receiver room right now about three weeks before Minnesota? Yeah, they're fortunate there's no game this weekend. I mean, you would be looking at, I think, several walk-ons. And, you know, Matt Rule does not not look at a guy like Alex Bullock as a walk-on. He'd be one of the next guys to get a scholarship on this roster if there were open spots today. Mm -hmm. Um, And his brother, John, got a scholarship after the spring. Alex is, is athletically gifted in a way that goes beyond John. Um, he's taller, um, and, you know, you see him out there, a wide receiver. He doesn't look like a walk-on, and, you know, Rule has made that clear how he feels about Bullock. But, the, you know, the experience is not there. Um, you're gonna, he's going to play a lot no matter who's healthy. And, and right, right now, as far as experience goes, they've got Billy Kemp. And, you know, we didn't ask Rule. I wish we would have today. We'll have to get to this Saturday about Josh Fleeks. He's back at practice um, based on what we've seen on video with the, what Nebraska has posted on social media, although I did not notice much from him, if anything, from him this morning. Um, you know, really what they've got is, is Billy Kemp and then a bunch of inexperience. Kemp is, is he's a small guy, but he plays big, and he's going to be their punt returner, and he's going to be one of their kickoff returners. So – they're asking a lot from him. He's going to get a single digit, and he's going to get. I, I can, get, you know, beers on me the whole weekend at Minnesota, Chris. If <clears throat> Camp is not one of the ten single digit numbers, and they're going to start to announce those this week, so I, and they'll trickle out throughout camp. And by the time they get to game week, there'll be ten players with with single digit numbers. The only way Billy Camp doesn't get a single digit number is if he doesn't want it. Does like that offer says, hey, stand? I'm wearing 15, and I want to stay that way. But he wore number four at Virginia, so I think that's that's where he'll be. They've got Billy Kemp, they've got Alex Bullock, they've got Ty Hahn, and 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 most of the rest of the guys are either true freshmen or they're or they're sidelined right now. It's Mitch Sherman with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, while we're talking single-digit numbers, one of the risers through fall camp and, and through summer as well that we've heard plenty about within the past couple of days is Tommy Hill. Do you think Tommy Hill is in that conversation to get a single-digit number? He had his ups and downs last year, more downs and ups probably for Nebraska as he made the move to wide receiver and then back to defense. Really felt like none of the position coaches wanted him last year. Now the coaches can't stop raving about what he's done for that defense. Tell us a little about the rise of, of Tommy Hill and, and if you think he's going to be getting, be getting a single-digit number here in short order. He's got a chance, yeah. you know I think if you're basing this specifically um, what the guys have done in, in camp here this, this month, then he's, he's definitely got a chance. And you know Matt Rule says that said this on Saturday that Tommy Hill has made the biggest turnaround of any player on the roster in the time that that he's been in Lincoln. So, and this is a, and this coming from a guy Matt Rule who watched every 
every rep last year. So he knows where Tommy Hill was at a year ago. And the coaches liked him in camp last year, but he got out on the field early in the season and had some struggles from the beginning. You know, even against Northwestern in, in Ireland, they were picking on him, and, and he was having a hard time keeping up. And it just kind of snowballed on him from there, lost some confidence. They moved him to offense, didn't work really on offense. He came back to defense um, at the end of the year. So I, I think there's a chance. You know, I don't, I don't know that it's a slam dunk in, in the same way that Billy Kemp is. You know, I think if Jeff Sims wants to wear a single-digit number, He's going to get one. I think Gabe Irvin's got a chance to get one. I think Isaac Gifford is definitely getting one. Um, you could see Quentin Newsom uh, getting a, a single digit too. So it's uh, you know you're starting to, to as as Rule said the, the guys who are are setting the temperature for the room are, are starting to emerge right now as they get into the second week of camp, and that's that's where he wants to be. They don't want to be in September or October and still looking for those players. Mitch Sherman is with us on Hill Varsity Radio. Mitch, I want to talk about injuries in a different area of the team, and that's the offensive line, especially with Teddy Brahaska being kind of banged up yet again. He said, and he being Matt Rule, said that he would be available for the game at Minnesota, but how concerned are you throughout the year about Teddy's maintenance on this offensive line? Yeah, you have to be concerned because he just hasn't been able to stay on the field, you know, whether it's in practice or for an extended period of time in games. And I think if they can find a way to keep him healthy, and that's, you know, Teddy, that's a great match that they have program. Now, because of the emphasis on preventing re-injury and recovery and everything that they're going to do, and, and, you know, some of the stuff, some of the technology is, is still some time away, still a few months away, and they had hoped to have it this year. They don't have access to everything because that new facility isn't entirely it's not open yet it's not ready you know they're going to move into the locker room this month seemingly but not everything that that that, that a guy like teddy prohaska could benefit from is going to be available to him this year still everything they've got over at memorial stadium is is great and the and the, the attitude the the um you know the the way that this staff and not, i'm not just talking about the coaches i mean down to the trainers and the strength staff the nutritionists the the uh, sports science department, they're all geared toward keeping somebody like him him healthy. So that's that's great. Um, but is, whether it's going to happen is, is another story. Uh, we'll see. You know, he got hurt right right at the out of the gate in the first practice of the year, I believe. So he's on an exercise bike now. And I, I don't expect that he's going to be out there playing 30 or 40 reps against Minnesota. If he, if he makes it back, you know, my hunch would be they're going to bring him back slow. And he plays a few series, and then they try to get him to a place against Colorado where he can play more, and then more from there. So they're going to need other players at tackle. I would think that Turner Corcoran is going to be the starter on August 31st at left tackle. Um, and then you have Nuri Nuili, who is coming back from a suspension last year and is also not at practice right now. He's in a green jersey running through some conditioning work while the offensive line goes in and smashes into each other. And they're going to need Murray, too. It's, it's Ethan Piper and, and Henry Lutowski, that offensive guard, and they can't, they can't roll with just those two guys. They need, they need somebody else. And I think the, the hope was that it, it could be a three-man rotation um, with Murray and that big two at the time. Um, and, and, and still they'll need more depth. But right now uh, it's, it's two guys that they feel like they can rely on um, that offensive guard, which is a tough spot to be at on, on August 8th. 
Mitch Sherman with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, about 60 seconds. Real quick reaction to Nebraska's uh, video diary of camp, a look in, episode one. What would you think? Yeah, really insightful. Um, you know, it's good good content. I'm glad Nebraska is, is showing uh, people what it what it's really like at camp. You know, I think that's a good that's an accurate indication. Uh, it's not just glossed over and, and and getting things out the way they want them to be. I mean, sure, it reflects well on the on the program, but I mean, l- listen to Matt Rule and his and his his words to the team after one of the practices about halfway through that thing. And, and I think that's a a great uh, indication, a great look into who he is as a coach and the way that he treats his players. So. Um, you know, very interesting, and and then interesting also to hear Matt Rule talk about it today, and just um, you know how how happy he is to uh, share some of that with uh, the Nebraska fans. Mitch, can you name the song that David Borchers was rapping in that video whenever oh. he gets up in front of the team? <laughs> I could hardly hear it. You know, I was watching on my phone, and you know they bleeped out about eighty percent of the lyrics. <laughs> so. And it, and there were words that they were allowing to get into that video that you that you might normally see bleeped out. Um, so it went beyond even 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 that. I, I don't know. I could see Matt Rule blush a little bit when he came back to the front of the room to uh, um, to move on to the next part of the meeting. I'm not sure that that he intended for for that to happen, but they still put it in the video. So good good for them. Again, Mitch, if you want to get those words, uh, you know, un un uh, uncut, I guess. Freestyle by Lil Baby is the song, Mitch. You can do some research. All right. Okay, I'll check it out. Mitch, take care, bud. Thanks for the time. All right, thanks. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow here at the club at Indian Creek. Pinnacle Bank Championships. Get rolling. That is going to be Thursday, Friday opening rounds. You need to get here to Indian Creek and can log on PinnacleBankChampionships.com. Get your passes that way. Take the family. Enjoy professional golf at an incredibly high level. Beautiful course here at Indian Creek. And uh, it is just magical to be here. We're on the 17th green. Uh, Shockingly enough, near Patron. (laughs) For me. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, uh uh-oh. Connor's like, what? Watch out. Only Get thing, in water. It's only Tuesday, guys. It's the only Tuesday. Only Pace thing, yourselves, gentlemen. Only thing better than Patron for Schmitty is free Patron for Schmitty. And for those of you that have the tickets to the pavilion, I've heard free Patron could be in the cards. Well, dude, it is set up. Food, drinks. Uh, it's staring Schmitty in the face all, right now. It's behind me, and the doors are locked. They're padlocked. They knew I was coming. See, and ever since Connor turned 21, we heard about that. With, oh, free drinks. We better keep Connor at home. He's going to. Yeah. That's another <laughs> problem is, is Connor's going to roll up Friday and say, he's going to ask me for my left or my right hand, and can he put some salt on it? <laughs> <laughs> you're in luck. Unfortunately, I have a game to do that night, so oh, I can't. So you're like, <laughs> but I would. No, no, no. It doesn't mean you can't. It means you, you shouldn't. You, you yeah. wouldn't. That's you don't want true. a body shot with, uh, with Schmidt. I love it. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> everyone, everyone in unison just dry heave. Like, uh, We're losing viewers quickly. Oh, everyone's just ducking and covering. Uh, yeah, everyone, the mental image, taking a shot at a Schmidt's belly button. Uh-huh, and it is <laughs> a personal injury moment possibly for those doing that and all honesty the dire law there for you if you have a personal injury accident you can count on dire law to provide a helping hand when you need it no matter what you're dealing with call dire law 
in their team today at 402-393-7529. Visit Dyer.Law to chat with trusted professionals about your personal injury claim. That's Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. This is all hypothetical when it comes to taking uh, body shots off of me (laughs) during the Pinnacle Bank Championships. I kid, but no, it is uh, full of amenities. The golf is incredible. And the talent that is here is just phenomenal. And we're talking a million-dollar purse on the Corn Ferry Tour. That is big time. And you see some of the players right now finishing up their practice rounds. Weather should be beautiful. And we got a little bit of a breeze. It's not straight-up camp weather when we talk football this time of year. So it's it's pretty good. Well, Smitty, one more perk. You talked about the million-dollar purse for the winner here this weekend. How about it? Your chance at ten thousand dollars. If there's a hole in one here at seventeen, that's behind awesome. us. If you're we're not here, eligible, no, we're not eligible. But if you're here at the pavilion, there's a hole in one on seventeen. Your chance at ten thousand dollars. You got to get out here for some more information. But uh, that would be awesome for one of our listeners to get out here and maybe your chance at going home with ten thousand dollars. Ten grand. I think of of uh, the club at Indian Creek and our dear friend, uh, the late great Jack Pierce, would always have his golf tournament out here. And it was for the Nebraska Independent College Foundation. Jack would have the mother of all silent auctions in the clubhouse. You may see a former Nebraska quarterback uh, having a good time after the golf tournament. At least we did. Uh, and that was a, an epic interview that I think we had to erase. It was it was just brilliant. But no, Jack would always have his golf tournament out here, and it was just uh, an incredible party. But there was a, a similar hole prize with the tournament where if you got a hole-in-one on one of the par threes, you could win a Lexus. Ooh. Well, I got the Lexus with my tee shot. Oh, oh, that took me a second to realize what you meant. I, I, I got it. It was on the hood. <laughs> and oh. that's when you just kind of drop the club like your happy Gilmore shouldn't have been standing there moment. Uh, but everything, it, it buffed right out, as they say. Uh, and here I was thinking, you said, if you get a hole-in-one, you get a Lexus. I'm like, do they have a paid partnership with a strip club or something? No, I, no, no, Lexus is... A uh, Lexus. A, not a singular not a Lexus. Lexus. <laughs> not a Lexus. Uh, let's talk Matt Rule, and let's talk about Nebraska's version of Hard Knocks, guys. This is a, a snippet that a lot of folks have been talking about, and it's on YouTube. Invite you to watch it. It's 30 minutes if you haven't. A look in or a look in uh, to be more specific so we're not confusing Alexis or Alexis, <laughs> but a, a look in uh, with Nebraska. And, and this is Coach Rule talking about the 10 percenters and what he is uh, and what he wants, and that's real ones. Every player in college football on all 130 so some Division One teams is figuring out what they got to do to start. They all want to play in the NFL. What we find is, as adversity comes, it gets hard, okay? You're one of two people. You're either the person that when things get really hard, becomes a victim and says, it's not my fault. Man, I'm running with the, if you talk about which team you're running with is affecting the way you play, you're the worst teammate there is, just to run the same page. You're the worst, you're, you're, you're disrespecting the guys on the side with you and you're saying, I'm not good because they're not good. You're a victim. Or you're one of the rare few who says, I love this it's, it's just making me better. It sucks, it hurts, my legs hurt, my back hurt, my neck hurt, I'm tired, and I gotta go through this to be different than everybody else. 
Which guy are you? What you'll start to see is you'll start to see guys tap out or rise up. There's a lot of ways to tap out, guys. A lot of things you can blame. You can tap out a million different ways. Most of the world does, yes? In fact, about 90% of the world does. Are you a 10%er? Are you somebody that even when you're dying to just say, hey, I need a blow right here, says, let me finish. You're not part of the brotherhood just because you're talented or you're on scholarship. You're part of the brotherhood if you sacrifice for your teammates and you put them first. So I want you to see that. And I am not going to worry about the guys that are not in. I'm only going to go try to win with the guys who are in. But you must hear me. I will not get to game week and then change who I am just to try to win a game. I'm playing with the real ones. I'm playing with the real dudes. I'm playing with the real guys. So when it gets hard, embrace it. Right? Embrace it. That's what I'm doing. Those who are with me, coaches, players, staff, everybody, we go through this process to come out in the season knowing we're tough as shit. You don't get tough. You don't get tough by talking. You get tough by doing that and trying to kill it. You're on the same page. Yes, sir. So call each other out and hold each other accountable. Okay? The greatest thing you can do for your teammates is to go all out. To go all out. Matt Rule. And that is the proverbial run through the brick wall, look him in the eye, motivate. But more so than anything, guys, is be truthful. Be who you are every day. Easy to say, hard for some to do. And can you be authentic and real? And that is one element Nebraska is going to have when it comes to What's going to improve their season? What's going to What's going to make the Matt Rule era different than past coaches? And it's going to be that authenticity and follow through. Most importantly, with what he's saying. And the the quote that's going to stick with me from that video is the most important thing you can do for your teammates is go all out. We talked about it with the injuries in segment one, but it comes down to preparation too, making sure your team's ready for Minnesota. You know what? <laughs> Some of these guys you're getting looks at from practice, they aren't going to be as good as the guys you're going up against from Michigan, the guys that are you know playing in college football playoffs. If you're not given 100% effort every single day, if you're given 90% effort, whenever you get hit with that 110% from Michigan, it's going to be real different. Huh. If, you, if you're getting that full effort from your teammates, though, in practice, you get a better look, you get that better preparation. 75% from Michigan uh, is, is enough to cover. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wind down hour one here at the club at Indian Creek. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Why did down this first hour? It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're live here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship, the club at Indian Creek, and uh, the opening round Thursday and Friday here in Omaha at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. You're welcome to come on out and check things out. Make sure you log on PinnacleBankChampionship.com. It's where you go for that. Uh, just. Gorgeous setting, practice round today, pro-am tomorrow. Reminder to get buckled up, hands on the wheel, eyes in mind. Straight ahead, the driver has one job to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Thanks for sharing your crazy golf stories or golf moments. And uh, this is in reference to, I don't know, maybe a little happy Gilmore losing his mind, breaking a club, putter toss. Mitch Sherman had some confession. I had a confession. Elijah had a confession. Connor may or may not have helicoptered a club into the water somewhere in suburban Chicago. Without naming any names, the best story I've ever heard from the course, again, not going to name any names, but a friend of mine, they had a, a little wager on one hole. 
whoever lost that hole had to go for a swim on one of the golf courses no. in town. Oh, wow. Yeah, he got that, a... Uh, that, that's pretty funky to do. Yeah, he got kicked off the course, and I'm pretty sure got a lifetime ban from that particular course, <laughs> yeah, which is funny because uh, following college, uh, and this was during college, but following college, he got a job at another golf course around town. Uh, apparently, they didn't Are call you the guy? <laughs> no comment. No proof. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe everything. It's not on my resume. Don't believe everything you hear. I believe those gentlemen also had a few before that round, so uh, that, that maybe explains the swim. <laughs> Can I, I mean, have there been worse moments in life where you start getting after it on the golf course and then you wonder what the hell the rest of the, the evening entailed? You go to some buddy's house or you start throwing some vodka lemonades and all of a sudden you're on somebody's deck at 4 a.m.? Uh, that's more likely for me, as funny as this sounds, uh, following uh, an evening trip to the bowling alley. Ah. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes, your bowling league. <laughs> but you're, you're, building up, uh, <clears throat> you're building up reps at the bowling alley. Yeah. No, I, uh, I had a, a man offer, was it $100 if I took down uh, an entire pitcher of beer in 30 seconds? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, was I, it Bud I, Heavy? Uh, it was Bud Light, and I did not get the $100. So that's, that's, that's a tough ask. Yeah, but that was one of those nights. That's fine. That's all right. Uh, Tim Brando, a long-time play-by-play man for college football, the NFL, college basketball, Fox Sports. Tim's going to be seeing a lot of Big Ten and Big 12 this year. We'll sit down with Tim Brando next hour to get things kicked off. What's he think of Nebraska? What's he think of Rule? What are the Big Reds' chances? And a little more on realignment, if there's realignment fatigue, forgive us, but it's still in the news, and it could still affect Nebraska and the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. The good thing is, is you're not out shopping. You're spending the money that the Big Ten has been throwing your way for a while, and hey, you're going to get better football games as a Nebraska fan because of the additions of a Washington, of a USC, of a UCLA, of an Oregon. The task now, start winning. Be competitive. And uh, you've got a little bit of a lead way to build up to be competitive and, and be better than competitive, be the, be the winner. Well, and in, in, in being in the Big Ten, you have every resource needed compared to the rest of the country to be competitive, and not to be just to be competitive, to be a winning football yeah. program. Yeah, you're, you're going to have a, a total of six teams that have been in the playoff in your league now, and uh, that thing expands to 12. Tim Brando's next, Hour 2, coming up with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. Of course, uh, Corn Ferry tur- Tournament gets rolling here end of the week. We welcome in college football on our mind. An incredible play-by-play man. He's been part of college football on your TV for years. Tim Brando back with us at Tim Brando. Going to see a lot of him on Fox with his partner Spencer Tillman. Tim, good to spend a few minutes and talk some ball. Season's almost here. How are you doing? 
I'm great, and thanks for not saying exactly how many years. <laughs> uh, distinguished well, is the definition. Time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Distinguished, yes, man. I, you know, we love this time of year. We're excited for the season ahead for Nebraska. And Tim, you you've done your share in Nebraska games in your career. You also follow the program along with you know the great coverage you provide uh, each Saturday and. I want to get your take here. What is your, I don't want to say excitement level, but what's the level of intrigue you have for Matt Rule in year one for Nebraska? Well, among the, the high-profile coaches uh, in Division One college football, perhaps, I mean, let's face it, there's no denying that Dion is, is the hottest story. Okay, there's no, there's no doubt about that. We have to, we have to give him his due. Uh, none of us know how that experiment is going to go uh, at Colorado, but, but certainly having the Colorado-Nebraska game, which I know because I just saw Joel and, and Gus at our Fox seminar about uh, three weeks ago, uh, they're through the roof about having that game, and, and we as a network are excited about having uh, Colorado on the first two weeks. They have TCU, and, and then they get you guys uh, in week two, and I no doubt uh, hope that I get up to Lincoln again uh, with Spencer before the season is out. But I would have to say, with, without question, if you take Dion out of the mix, the most intriguing uh, story, I believe, is having Rule come into Nebraska. And uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, there were a number of people that just felt when he went to Baylor that, gosh, this is a guy that's a Northeast guy. He's coming from Temple. This is, you know, we're talking Friday night lights in the state of Texas, and you're coaching at Baylor, and that thing is just a complete dumpster fire. How's that going to go? And and you saw what happened. I mean, it was immediate, you know, what Matt was able to do. And uh, to, to see where he was able to take the, uh, Baylor in, in such a short period of time, and then he didn't exactly leave the cupboard bare, and, and Dave Aranda picked up, where he left off, and um, of course, Joey McGuire was also on that staff, and you see what Joey's done at Texas Tech. Um, man, that's, it's just amazing, his pedigree, and uh, I suspect that he is just what the doctor ordered uh, for the Cornhusker. I, I, can't, I, I can't allow myself to think otherwise. Now, I, I will stop short of saying he's uh, the next generation's Nick Saban. <laughs> you know that's that's all right, Tim. Wasn't gonna bring wasn't gonna bring that one up. It's all right, my man. <laughs> yeah, I might as well get out ahead of it, right? I might as well get out ahead of it. Um, but but I do think that once you get past uh, Dion, who's clearly you know is kind of soaking up all the attention and and soak uh, and and not leaving much room for any of the other newbies in college football. I, I think the the Matt Rule hire was. A magnificent one, and I cannot wait to see how immediate uh, his his uh, turnaround is because it certainly wasn't Baylor, you know. And and um, it's hard not to look at that and say that you would not expect it to be uh, as good, if not better, in the land of Big Red. 
Yeah, and, and Tim, you've seen a lot of college football in your day. And again, I won't mention how many years. We're not going to go there. But whenever you, whenever you think about that wealth of college football experience that you have, you've seen a lot of, of coaches that have failed in turnarounds of programs and a lot of coaches that have succeeded in turnarounds of programs. Whenever you're watching Matt Rule here this season, regardless of if it's a 10-2 and two season or a 6-6 six and six season, either way it's progress. But is there anything you're looking for in terms of these are signs that show early in a tenure that a coach's turnaround is going to be successful or at least has a, a good chance of being successful? Well, I do know about his culture. You know, I do know about his culture and how he creates a culture of winning. I've been around that enough to know that. And uh, anyone that spends any time uh, in and around the program now will we'll be able to see that. And uh, – so that's that's one of the reasons why I, I'm I'm so confident that it's going to happen. But my question is just how quickly will it happen? Because the Big Ten is 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 that's a lot, and, and Nebraska's issues, albeit not as grave the circumstances as he inherited at Baylor. I mean that was that was a program that almost you know got the death penalty. I mean it came dangerously close to getting the death penalty. Uh, because of everything that had gone on there post uh, Bryles, and 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 that's what he inherited. When when you look at Nebraska, the issues are um, the, the issues are 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 unique to, to the school and unique to the history of the program because of the the geographic location they find themselves in and the landscape of college football now being what it is. This is a storied program that has never been able to rekindle the flame, to get it uh, going, to get it back uh, where, where its, its lofty perch was for, you know, decades. Uh, certainly the, the bulk of my lifetime, um, Nebraska was, was the it program. Uh, but but a, lot of, a lot of things changed uh, with our sport, and, and specifically – uh, the realignment was part of that, and they were on the cutting edge of that, and it, and it, it did not work well. Uh, and I think it put Nebraska in a, a bit of a pickle with regard to what the expectations of the fan base were, what the, what the game had uh, turned to from an offensive standpoint, and how difficult it was to recruit uh, to that end with the game changing and evolving the way that it did. Those were things that were really outside the players and the coaching staff's control, but that every one of them that went in there had to deal with, you know, really since Frank Solis left, mm-hmm. it was that way. And, and it stayed that way. And, and I do think rule can turn it around because of his culture and because of his teachings. And he's just a damn smart coach. I mean, he, uh, what happened at Carolina was, what could happen to any coach in the National Football League when you have uh, injuries at the mission critical position? Uh, but but their loss and uh, his circumstances that were difficult uh, are really to to Nebraska's gain uh, because I, there are a lot of people in Carolina that wish that he he had not left. I mean they, there are, and I have friends there that that uh, have told me that. So there's no doubt in my mind he will be successful. It's just a question of, in my mind, how quickly he will be. And, and, and I, I tend to believe that it will be faster than maybe even some of the Nebraska fans believe. 
Tim, what does Nebraska need to be? We, we hear this narrative, and, and I believe it covering college football for a while. I know what college football is like and how fun Saturdays are when Nebraska's good, when Ohio State's what Ohio State's been, mm-hmm. when Texas. I just said a bad word on the radio in, in some people's <laughs> ears in Nebraska. Texas yeah. is good. Notre Dame, Miami, SC. I mean, go down the, the, the list of teams that, you grew up watching and following on Saturdays, those big games that weren't in your backyard. What does Nebraska need to be in this landscape of college football and even the new Big Ten because there's Hollywood and then now the great Northwest coming to, to Lincoln on some Saturdays? Yeah, I mean, uh, in the aftermath of um, you know what happened on Friday and the fallout from that, and that's, gosh, you, could, you can get me on a roll talking about how um, – <laughs> I feel about uh, some of the negativity coming from uh, many of my uh, colleagues in, in sports media, particularly those that are writing uh, columns, and many of whom I respect a great deal about what happened. I, I, I have a completely different view from many of those. Maybe we can get into that later. But sure. specifically from, from your, your questions uh, point, I, I think that Nebraska needs to be who they are. And you begin with toughness. And I know this. I know that that's what Matt Rule would say. From the very jump, it's going to be about toughness, which means make sure you have a back that can get you the really tough yards and make sure that you've got an offensive line that understands that it can block and get downhill and and be able to move the football that way. Uh, A very active uh, fly-to-the-ball defense, which is, you know, we hear it often, and I know it's, how many more times can you hear it? We need to reinvent the black shirts. I know you hear it ad nauseum. I do think that Matt, his, his philosophy is just that. But he's going to wing it, too. I mean, spreading that thing out, creating avenues to run, and, and looking really at the way he did it at Baylor, uh, I mean, he, he knows that he's got to have a, a, a great quarterback. He's got to have at least one, maybe two great running backs. And the offensive line's got to be able to both pass block and run block. Uh, and what has happened, I think, uh, in, in the years since Frank Solich left, when, when Nebraska got away from their identity, it seems that they were never particularly good at either one of those because they had lost their identity. I think he's going to reestablish the identity, and it will start with toughness, the ability to win more at the line of scrimmage than they've currently been winning. But at the same time, it's not just going to be ground and pound because he likes big plays. He likes explosive plays. And he wants to have the players that can make those plays happen. So that, that's what Nebraska needs to be. And I think that that philosophy and, and starting with the culture is how you go about getting it done. Tim, how important do you think it is from the, the grander sense of college football for Nebraska to be great again? Because we saw this a little bit with Tennessee last year, just the amount of excitement that they caused in the SEC, the fact that Tennessee was back closer to where we expect them to be. And with the Big Ten growing with what it's going to be in the grander, the grander sense of college football starting in 2024 and 2025, how important is it that Nebraska gets back closer to where we expect that, that Nebraska could or should be? Well, let me just give it to you from the standpoint of a 30,000-foot snapshot from someone who loves the game but has no fandom whatsoever for any team. You know, I really don't. I mean, I, I don't care who wins. I never have cared 
who want, oh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see my alma mater get to a bowl game. I hope Terry Bowden does well at ULM this year. Uh, I'm an old Northeast guy before it became a hyphen school. It was a directional school. I, I don't mind it when the home state does well. And uh, my, my daughters went to LSU and Ole Miss, and so I've sunk a little money into them. And I may have a little more of a, of a keen eye on some of their games. But in truth, um, I'm just going to give you the snapshot from, from 30,000 feet. For many people, okay, many, many people that are fair-minded and just love college football, and they don't have a dog in the hunt, when you start talking about premier programs through the history of college football, when certain teams are down, it doesn't bother them that much. You know, they may have gotten tired, really tired of, of Florida. Okay, so the fact that Florida's down, it doesn't really bother as many people as you might think. The fact that Texas, he's saying they're back when they're not back, there are a lot of people that are okay with that. Okay, that USC has not won a, a, a title since uh, the Bush push and, and Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush were together. There are a lot of people that, that they really don't mind that so much. I mean, they don't. Nebraska is a program that I think is universally loved uh, outside the footprint. Now, maybe not so much with your rivals. Maybe not in Colorado. Maybe not uh, in Texas. Maybe maybe not in Oklahoma. Uh, but but you know what I'm saying. The, the Nebraska fan base is is one that has been around the block and has traveled to many other sites and has won the respect of a lot of fans of a lot of other teams around the country. And to see that uh, incredible stat every year that for the I don't how many, where, how many sellouts are we at now? Uh, how many in a row has it been? Uh, oh, wow! Just to be Since sixty-two and Nebraska's over. They're pushing to four hundred, aren't they, Elijah? There you go. I believe they're in the three sixties right now. To be able to say that through all of the tumult, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that you've been through is amazing. Not a, I don't think there's another program in the country that could have been as irrelevant nationally as Nebraska's been that would be considered a blue blood uh, that still had that kind of support. You wouldn't see that even at some of the biggest SEC schools. Alabama went through it. I was there. I covered it uh, in the years post-Bear Bryant and pre-Nick Saban. Uh, even even during the years when Gene Stallings was, was still coaching after they had won a national title in 1992, I was doing SEC games in that time period between 94 and and all the way up and through uh, the time that I left CBS, 2013. Uh, if they were bad, uh, there, there were empty seats at, at Bryant-Denny. There were. And a lot of unrest. Nebraska's had its unrest, but its fan base have been they've just been steadfast. So I think that wins a lot of, uh, uh, wins a lot of favor around the country in, in places where college football is a big deal. And yet the fans may not have, um, you know, the so-called dog in the hut or husker in the hut, but they, they're going to be happy for you if, you if you do well and get that thing going again. So I, I believe that there are even some cynics in the media would probably be pretty excited if Nebraska were relevant again. And now, 
And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jim Brando, a couple more minutes with us. Hale Varsity Radio, college football thoughts. Fox's Tim Brando, at Tim Brando on Twitter is where you find him. You'll see him on your flat screens, uh, college football Saturdays. Tim, going to back out and, and talk expansion real quick. Do you yep. like the addition of Washington and Oregon to the Big Ten? Second part to that, what do you feel? Because I know you spend a lot of time with the ACC as well about some reports earlier this week with Cal and Stanford maybe heading to the ACC. I really have a problem seeing that becoming a reality. Uh, and, and it may. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Um, I'm sure Jim Phillips, because of the relationships he has, the ACC commissioner, uh, mm-hmm. sees uh, the potential of bringing in those two schools as an opportunity to maybe force ESPN, his television partner, to get their payout up from where it's currently located, and it's not a lot uh, for each team. And the reason the ACC's been in this position is because of the bad contract that they signed uh, with with grant of rights all the way up through 2036. Uh, and that was because they were adamant, the ACC was, about having their own cable network, similar to the SEC and the Big Ten. Well, ESPN did a pretty smart thing. They said, well, sure, we'll give you that. We'll give you your cable network, but we want to hold you down to a contract for two, all the way until 2036. Uh, that payout is incredible. You, you've probably heard the reports about Florida State looking um, to, to maybe find some help uh, with, with uh, Wall Street to possibly uh, give them a loan so they can buy their way out and then pay them back over – a period of time from their television money. That's how badly some of these teams want to get out of the ACC. I think with that issue confronting the ACC simultaneously with Cal and Stanford potentially being teams that might be coming in, I would, if I were the, the people in charge at those two schools, I would pause for a moment before I sold myself to, to the ACC. Uh, to me, uh, to take the cobble of teams that are remaining in the Pac-12, hook them up with the Mountain West, who already has a linear television deal, uh, I think that would be a, a much wiser choice. Remember, what league you're in is not going to matter quite as much with the expansion to 12 teams coming in the college football playoff. Uh, taking the, the, the route of least resistance probably makes more sense, and I think geographically especially it would make sense to those two schools. That's just a thought about what's going on in the ACC. As for what the circumstances are with uh, the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the teams that they got from the Pac-12 and the criticism that's come since then, you guys no doubt follow me on social media. You know from past appearances that I've made on uh, other shows, be they uh, podcasts or national radio shows of some kind, uh, I saw this coming a long time ago. I saw Deion Sanders when he t- took the job at Colorado, I felt, I felt like he knew that his administration was going to get them back in the Big 12. I really felt that then, and uh, it proved to be prophetic. I think that this notion, and you're reading some of it now, most of it from the print media and even from some, some writers that I, I have respect for, this notion that um, college football as we knew it is dead and, and uh, that television nukes the Pac-12 is, is 
as off the charts as, as anything I think I've ever read. Um, listen, the Pac-12 was asleep at the, the wheel. They were a one-car accident not giving due diligence to what was necessary when your rights were up. They piddled around with their television rights for far too long and allowed Brett Yormark, a fast-talking New York lawyer that knew, knew how to build a success story at NASCAR, comes into the Big 12 after losing two of the biggest brands in the sport, Texas and OU, supplants them with some really solid programs out of the American, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, coupled with bringing BYU in, which brings not only a national but an international following, and he gets a, a great contract with both ESPN and Fox uh, on linear television. And he basically understood that the market was soft and got as much money from TV as he could, so much so that there wasn't any money left from the networks, given the economy that we have. So for the Pac-12 to only be able to come up with an Apple-centric, digital, incentive-based contract offer that was not going to please the presidents and the athletic directors of those schools that were a part of the remaining nine in the Pac-12. So Klyavkov, with the help of, of, of Larry Scott, who really ran that place into a ditch, the Pac-12 did this to themselves. Yeah, television plays a role. It always does, an important one. But to say that there was some devious plan on the part of executives, whether they be at the company I work for or at ESPN, to say it was some devious plot to end the Pac-12, which some have written, is, is absolute smut and, uh, and beneath conversation for me. Tim Brando's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, at Tim Brando on Twitter. Tim, it's been awesome to chat some college ball with you. We'll do this again in season if time permits for you. But a uh, dear friend of yours that we love talking to for a lot of years is Beano Cook. What oh, advice yeah. would what, what advice would Beano have for the Irish, Notre Dame right now? Don't trick Abe's got material. They always have, but they've got this egocentric problem about not being in a conference. You're going to have to, at some point, even if you have the best home field advantage since the Kremlin, at some point you're going to have to join a conference and play along. Because if you don't, you're going to get left at the wagon, just like those folks out on the West Coast did. Now, Duke Rockney wanted to play that game with USC. He wanted to take the train all the way out there to play against USC. Well, now USC's got to fly to the Midwest in the frozen tundras to play. Notre, Notre Dame needs to know that it's a new game. There are new sheriffs, and you're no longer the big kahuna. That was pretty good. Well played. <laughs> the best home field since the Kremlin. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, I could see him going to the Big 12. You know what? Uh, that's This is disrespectful, but it's it looks more winnable as I, as I bite my tongue than the Big 10 or the SEC. Well, honestly, they could save the ACC from its woes, its problems. They could. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and they were contractually bound up until just recently. If they were to have gone into a league, John Swafford, the former commissioner, had that, that deal signed, and Jack Swarbrick, the then athletic director at Notre Dame, had signed it. So they were bound contractually to go to the ACC if they had left uh, their level of independence. 
But now that's not the case. And, and you raise an interesting point. I, I think there's been enough bad blood over time between Big Ten ADs and, and coaches with Notre Dame that even though it makes more geographical sense to go there, um, I, I just think there have been uh, way too many uh, circumstances and impasses for them to overcome for that to ever be the case. Jim, have a, a just a just a magical college football season again. You're awesome. We love catching up, and thanks for giving us a few minutes today. You got it. Hope to get it back up there. I love being in, in Lincoln and, and seeing my friend uh, uh, Dan Whitney and Larry, the cable guy, and all my friends oh, yeah. in Nebraska. Y'all have a great one. I hope to see you. I mean, Joel and Gus can't get all your games. At some point, Spencer and I have got to get there. Well, I want to, I want to see you there. That'd be good to see you both. That'd be good. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Tim Brando, extended sit-down with the uh, voice of Fox here. Tim on college football, Big Ten, Big 12, college basketball, and just a great dude. He loved himself having a good old time at the uh, the Hale Varsity offices. I think it was, God, 2019? That's not about right. Uh, it was before I was around, so it may have been 2018. Might have been 20. Might have been 2018. Tim Brando was cutting a rug on the, on the balcony there in the rail yard. It and, was cool. And one of the reasons why it would be great to get uh, Tim on a broadcast is – because you know they're going to be pining for, for Roger Craig to get into the NFL Hall of Fame. If they're at a Nebraska game, uh, Tillman played with Roger Craig mm-hmm. with the 49ers. He hopped on Twitter and pushed for Get on the national television broadcast and, uh, and do what's right. Push for Roger Craig to finally get into the Hall we'll of get, Fame. We'll get Roger in the booth with him. Oh, that'd be awesome. Actually, we'll get Artez in the booth with him. <laughs> Artez will take care of that. We're here at the uh, Pinnacle Bank Championship practice round going on here at the club. At Indian Creek, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We had the longer straws. Connor Clark, bless his heart, is in studio and and blinking furiously. <laughs> uh, blink twice if you're angry, Connor. Uh, and just doing my job. Just doing your job. So we're we're talking some college football. We talked about uh, non-proud golf moments. The response was tremendous, and it, and I'm sure it was. Cathartic for some. Yeah, I, I, I did do X, Y, and Z once on a golf course out of anger and frustration. It's okay. We've all been there. You're going to see some of the pros, pros, and future stars Thursday and Friday for rounds one and two. And stick around Saturday, Sunday, and see this thing to completion. Uh, PinnacleBankChampionship.com is where you log on to get your day passes. Do that. We're just caddy corner from the Patron Zone. This is beautiful. Yeah. Now, it's not open, nor is it unlocked. There has been research done. Uh, so another time, maybe later in the week, we'll have a little Patron to get us hydrated. Well, and, and the beautiful thing about this, and Schmitty, we were talking during the break, is just the phenomenal players that you get a chance to see whenever you're here in the Corn Ferry Tour. It's it's the stars before their stars, if you will. It's kind of one of the, the selling points to college football. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to watch the future NFL stars before their stars. Here on the Corn Ferry Tour, I mean, the who's who of golf over the past decade or so. So many of them have come through the Corn Ferry Tour, and so many of them uh, for the next decade or so are going to be in Omaha this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's your chance to check them out, and as you said, get some Patron in you while you do it. Enjoy the beautiful weather we have here in Omaha this week. and Beer garden, beer tent, uh, food and drink. And a phenomenal view of the 17th hole to boot. Yeah, it is outstanding, so uh, check things out. Uh, Pinnacle, Pinnacle Bank Championships here. Uh, Pro-Am tomorrow, we're here all through the week, 4 to 6, 
Hale Varsity Roadshow. We'll dive into uh, some thoughts from Bill Bender, potentially. Also, we need to talk about Chubba Purdy and some thoughts from Coach Rule. We'll head back that direction. More comments from Coach Rule on his quarterback situation. Injury's been on our mind today with how thin the wideouts are, at least who was and wasn't at the uh, the practice today. But just some names to think about that played here in Omaha and on the Corn Ferry, Jordan Spieth, uh, Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, uh, Cantley, DeChambeau. Pretty, pretty big wild list right there. Hale Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity rolls forward on location, Pinnacle Bank Championship Practice round today, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, as uh, we are here set up on the 17th next to the uh, Herdat Sports Pavilion, next to the Patron Zone. Uh, so check things out, PinnacleBankChampionship.com. Get your tickets to the event for Thursday, Friday, and the weekend. It is just an incredible event here in Omaha. As uh, Also, you have fall camp or summer camp turning into fall very shortly, three weeks from tomorrow. It is Gooferville, where Nebraska gets set to go. We spent a lot of time hearing from Coach Rule and talking about just how thin the wideouts were. Mitch Sherman joined us earlier. Tim Brando, big time, to talk to uh, one of Fox's main men. And, uh, yeah, also Matt Rule and some of his comments earlier from the docu-series that's ongoing with Nebraska football, A Look In. So cool to hear from Coach Rule right there. 489-1240. 489-1240. can also email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Todd emailed in again. Uh, I think he liked the Tim Brando interview uh, is how I will <laughs> decipher that. So it's It didn't available. need much deciphering. It needed a no. little bit of censoring. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Censoring. Censoring is the way to put it. So, guys, we talk about backups and depth and injury, and we hear Coach McBride dive into it. And what gets you excited about quarterback play when you think of Nebraska football? You think of a guy making a a big-time throw off a play action. Uh, I think you think of a guy able to, to dance and dodge for extra yards or just have elite athleticism and speed to uh, to, to turn a, a good play or a big play into a scoring play. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Nebraska's had difference makers at quarterback or the above average, Nebraska's really not had game managers, or they've not asked game managers to manage very often, sometimes to their detriment. But Nebraska has, a, uh, we think, a good quarterback in Sims, part of the Davey O'Brien watch list, the top 35 quarterbacks in the country heading into this season. He made that cut, and you like what Sims can do with his arms and his legs and his leadership qualities. But, dudes, as soon as Nebraska lost Casey Thompson a year ago, what happened? It, it went downhill. Nebraska was good for a touchdown, maybe a field goal, and then the offensive – uh, water flow was shut off. Well, Think as, of the as Minnesota that, game. As soon as that script ended from Whipple, Whipple 
to his credit, and I think you can say the same about Frost during his time at Nebraska, they had great opening games yeah, for the most sure. part. They got down the field against Minnesota, but then what can you do once the defense already knows what you want to do with your offense and uh, with what the offense was? It was going to be a lot of uh, quarterback run. Uh, well, not a lot of quarterback run, but a lot of rushing attack that emphasized the quarterback run just a little bit more. And then, you know what? We're going to drop Chubba Purdy back and give him a, a, a one-read route. You know what? You get this one read. If it's not there, go take off with your legs. It, it, it did not lend itself to being the most efficient offense. And I think that's a great question because we've laid out on this show before, it's been a long time since Nebraska's had a quarterback make it through the entire season without going down with an injury. Uh, You can expect, I would say, at one point this year that either Chubba Purdy or Heinrich Harburg is going to be behind center for Nebraska this year. I'm not ready to anoint Chubba as the backup. I don't think the coaching staff is yet either. I think that competition's pretty open at this point. But Whenever one of those guys is going to have to step up, whether it's for a drive, whether it's for a game, whether it's for a quarter, it's going to happen at some point this season. Are you going to be able to have an offense that brings the strengths of that quarterback to the forefront no matter who your opponent is? You just have to be ready with that in your back pocket because one thing we know about the Big Ten and one thing we know about having a running quarterback is they're going to deal with some hits and they're going to go down and they're probably not going to make it through every single snap you're going to play this season. What are you going to do whenever that happens? Connor and Elijah, I mean, there there was a legit... Oh, no. And this is not to, to pile on a kid. It's you just didn't have a lot of confidence. And quite frankly, the, the offense didn't have a lot of confidence and his coaching staff. Didn't put a lot of confidence in Chubba or at least didn't do a good, good enough job of a asking him to do some things he could do well and b maybe getting him as ready as he could have been or should have been. We don't know how many reps he got as part of the game plan. We know that things looked okay, and then they didn't against Minnesota. Connor, it's uh, it's Nebraska's job to have a second or third team or fourth team guy ready if Sims, who has an injury history, can't go. Can Nebraska have minimal drop-off, be effective, at least get points out of their offense and not hang their defense out to dry? And it, it sounds like there's been some nice progress by Chubba this uh, this summer and then obviously into the, into the fall camp. Well, I think you're exactly right. Based on last year when Thompson went down, Nebraska was maybe good for 10 points, maybe 14 on a good day. So the fact that you didn't really have that confidence behind him cost you big time, right? So you really need to establish that confidence behind the start of this year, Jeff Sims, um, and you know what is Heinrich Harbor going to look like? What's Chubba Purdy going to look like if their number is called? And I kind of agree with Elijah. I mean, you could probably expect at one point or another, just because of football being football, that one of those two will see the field at some point in time. So um, it's really important for those two to get developed. We heard Coach Rule talk about Chubba specifically and his development, um, which is always a promising sign. So um, hopefully, and, and he's a longer tenured guy now, just in college football. So. You hope that he can take that next step uh, coming into his next year of his college career. And I think a more important question maybe than how much development have these guys made, and it it might sound crazy, but how much development has your rushing attack made? The rushing attack is a quarterback's, especially a backup quarterback's best friend. Are you able to run the ball when the defense knows you're going to run the ball? Hey, we have a backup quarterback in here. It's the third quarter. We're nursing a three-point lead here. You know the offense is going to be running the football on first and ten. Are you able to go pick up three, four yards and make it second and manageable for your quarterback where then the defense doesn't know what to expect on second down. Maybe it's going to be that RPO. Maybe you're going to uh, just hand it off to your running back yet again and try to make it third and two. If you can run the ball 
when the defense knows you're going to be running the football and still pick up yards. That is a backup quarterback's best friends. It's so much easier for a guy like Chubba Purdy or Heinrich Harburg to step up and make a throw on third and two whenever the entire field is open as opposed to third and ten whenever the defense knows, hey, anything underneath we can let happen and we can rally to the ball. Well, think about the game last year against Minnesota, mm-hmm. right? Nebraska's in the throes of a, of a losing streak. Uh, Casey's dinged from the Illinois game that first half. Chubba comes in, and what happened? Well, Nebraska was playing their backup quarterback, 10 points and done. Minnesota scored 20 straight to finish that game. Second half. I think it was tied 10 to 10 going with, in. With their backup With their quarterback. backup quarterback. That's where I was getting to. And I can't pronounce the kid's name. Kelly Manis. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so Captain Morgan gets knocked out. Kelly Manis comes in. Well done. Nice. And uh, <laughs> I surprised myself. I'm going to give myself a helmet sticker for that. And, and he comes in, and, and he finds a tight end a couple of times. They throw deep because guess what? His intermediate accuracy is trying to aim for the middle when you're seeing three. And they, they, they leaned on Moe. Case in point. Guess what? Minnesota saves the day with their backup quarterback, their offensive line, and their run game on the road in a November game. And you're sick about it because of who the head coach is, but damn, he got his guy ready. Damn, he got his guy ready, and he had a game plan ready to go when yes. Tanner Morgan got hurt. You know what? We're going to use the more quarterback run. We're going to take the deep shots with that play action as he kind of laid out. That's what really impressed me about that, and that's the moment when I went, man, what's Nebraska doing here? What's the plan? We'll wrap up here, hour two coming up. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time here from the club at Indian Creek. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. The Pinnacle Bank Championship practice round today. Tournament commences Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're here the rest of the week. PinnacleBankChampionship.com. Log on. Get your passes today. And bring the family, bring the girlfriend Sneak out of work, bring a client, whatever you need to do. It'll be uh, great weather, and you're going to see some stars of the golf world before they make that jump to the PGA. So we were talking Chubba Purdy and Nebraska having a plan for backup success. Uh, Tim chimes in. I'll say it again. Chubba showed me a lot of want-to character right before he got hurt. I think he's going to have a surprise year. Or, excuse me, I think he's going to surprise us this year uh thanks for the input tim let's hear from rule real quick on some of chubba's progress you know john wood used to say be quick but don't hurry and sometimes when chubba would play in the spring he was like really quick and fast and jumpy and trying to be perfect every play trying to a lot of times quarterbacks they're every play they're trying to show how good they are instead of just playing the play and to me chubba's just like slowed down um his feet aren't antsy he's not kind of running around he's not trying to do too much He's taking what they give you, and um, I just like the way he leads his group. You know, they, they follow him, so um, he has all the physical tools, but just kind of letting it all settle down and come together, um, it's not easy, especially when you're not behind the first offensive line, but Chubba's, uh, Ch- Chubba's excelled. Last thought on Chubba, I think a little bit more specifically on how it's kind of come together for him. I think that was the cut about That was the whole enchilada. Yes. Mm. I thought there was two. My fault. Okay, so you got all of rule on Chubba. That's a win. That is a win. That's pretty good. Uh, Vic in Denver chimes in. 
Uh, and we kick things off since we're golf-bound today and the rest of the week, and it's awesome. We uh, had some confessions on the golf course, moments we're not proud of, clubs that may have learned how to swim or not. Vic is like, look, never broke clubs or carts. But when I was Elijah's age, mm-hmm. I had a buddy that lived on the Knolls. Loved the Knolls. Should have golfed more at the Knolls. I hopped R.I.P. The, the Knolls. Yeah, I, I hopped his six-foot fence with my bag strapped to my shoulder. 33 years later, I still have to go to the chiropractor to fix it every month or so. Oh. So, Vic, that's the gift that keeps on giving, brother. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm laughing I'm, with you, Vic. I'm confused. Is that... We'll see you in Boulder. Was that an attempt to break onto the golf course? I don't know. He didn't specify. He just hopped, hopped the fence. Save yourself like, a couple of buddies. bucks. I mean, who's hopping a fence if you're not breaking in? Like, that seems... Don't you, don't you just find a buddy that lives on the course and kind of walk out his back door in the backyard? Kind of sneak your way on there? I, I was the fat kid eating all the ice cream for... Mom and Dad would have this, this punch card. Every month. It was supposed to last us a month, and I don't know if it was my dad in the Miller Lite or me in the ice cream, but <laughs> those were some bad weekends. <laughs> His punch card's already gone. Dad had 40 Miller Lights. <laughs> well, yeah, fatty, you had 14 ice cream cones, we're even. So, yeah. That's that's how it happened. I'd like to my my buddy Ryan back in high school. Uh, his parents had a membership to one of the country clubs in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that the uh, not the but one of the. I guess that really narrows it down. Um, anyway, I'll just say that they had a uh, a tab that the uh, you had to know the pin number to, and we knew the pin number. And uh, yeah, we had some Saturday afternoons out at the golf course back in high school, just ordering food and drinks all afternoon as fat offensive linemen do. That's the best thing to do is just put it on Bolte's tab. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. You're from Pinnacle Bank.